הרי אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שבדרכנו, לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שוכני עפר. קדוש משר בארץ, הם המבחד לרבנו הקדוש צדיק, יצא דולם נחל נובע מכל חוכמה. רבנו נחמן בן פייגה בן שמחה, נא נח נחמן נחמן ומן זכותו תגן עלינו לכל ישראל אמן. בעזרת השם, today we're going to do a few lessons in ליקוטי מורן. Four lessons to be exact, starting with Torah 160, קס. הדפק דופק ונוקש באדם. The pulse knocks and beats within a person. Sometimes the pulse is knocking within a person and prompts him to serve Hashem. The voice of my beloved knocks. So we see that there's one um, knocking within the body of a pulse for a good. But sometimes the pulse within a person prompts a person to commit a sin, God forbid. Because the pulse stems from a person's breath. Breathing, breathing comes through the air by means of speech. We're going to see um, that this Inyan, that Rabbeinu spoke about this already, that, uh, that the air present around us has to do with the speech that we speak. And depending on that speech, the holiness or, imp, or the, God forbid, the impurity of speech uh, determines how the air is around us. And according to a person's speech, this is how um, the pulse is created, either for good or for bad. So we see that speech is the, or that the pulse depends upon the speech. Machloket raises and elevates a person. Strife raises and elevates a person. Because Rabbi is going to explain why strife is actually good for a person. Argument, etc. Why a person um, being encountered with arguments and strife and etc. All these sort of things that might seem on the surface level negative are actually good. Because Rabbi tells us that he brings from the verse in Tvarim. Because man is the tree of the field. So man is compared to a tree. And a tree lays on the ground, or lying on the ground. A tree that is planted within the earth, it cannot raise itself, it cannot grow, except unless uh, these sort of waters that flood above this tree are able to bring it up. So unless water comes and is brought up on this tree, it cannot grow. So we see that the water is able to pick up and carry this tree. And what does water represent? We said the tree represents a man, but what does water represent? Strife. They surrounded me like water all day long. David Amelach is writing about the sinyan of enemies, the enemies who are attacking a person. They surround, they surrounded David. And David is saying that his enemies are like compared to water. So we see that a person's enemies who usually cause him all this argument and this strife, cause all this pain, it's actually for your benefit as it actually elevates and raises you. They surrounded me like water all day long. They encircled me together. Together they encircled me. So we see this inyan, that strife actually elevates a person. In the days of the Magid, the Mezrich, the main student of the Baal Shem Tov, 
memory be a blessing. There was a distinguished and wealthy person. And he would actually oppose the men, the students of the Magid Mezrich. And the students of the Magid told the Magid himself about this person who was very wealthy and yet opposing the Magid and his students. And the Magid told the students, that they should see to it to bring this man close to him. They wa- he wanted, the Magid wanted to meet this wealthy man. And he told the, his students to put a lot of effort in this. Um, and he should pray, and that they should pray to Hashem, that he should help them. Basically, instead of opposing them, that he should turn around his, um, his way and uh, assist the Magid and his students. And so they did so. Until Hashem helped them. Until literally Hashem, through His awesome ways, brought this wealthy man before the Magid. May His memory be a blessing. And this man became a, a very um, upright and uh, good man who had fear of heaven. But he actually began to lose his possessions and his wealth. That these two things cannot be in the same place. Which two things? Both Torah and greatness. Now Rabbanu is going to explain, at, or in the name of the Magid Mezrich, as the Magid is going to explain this inyan of um, why wealth or greatness and Torah cannot exist in the same place. Meaning once you begin to get great at Torah, you begin to lose your power in the Gashmiut, in a sense. We're going to see how. But Rabbanu is going to explain this deeper. One who wants to become wise should stand to the south, should face south when he prays. If one wants to become wealthy, yet he should face north when he prays. So when a person wants to become wise, he should stand south. Therefore, it's impossible for, for him to become wealthy. Because when he's facing south, he's not facing north. And we know that the north is for um, wealth. We know that north exists in the wealth, uh, that the wealth is in the north. And the same is true of the opposite. So if you want wisdom, which is the Torah, etc., then... You have to face south, and you're not attaining that wealth, which is north. And if you want wealth, then you cannot attain Torah, which is south. Ki'im, the only exception to this, Rabbeinu tells us, imu anivut, is if a person's at the ultimate level of humility. Shu'u mash, meaning a person's literally nothing. Azai eno amid then he's literally standing in no direction whatsoever. Ki'iyev shalomach. I love Shehu Betzafon Bedaron because it's impossible to say about this person that he's in the north or the south. Because this man is literally nothing and not. Meaning because he's become so humble and become literally completely nullified, he doesn't stand in that direction. Place isn't applicable to him. Therefore it's possible for this man to have Torah and greatness in the same place. For example, Moshe Rabbeinu, we see this inyan, that Moshe was wealthy and he was ultimately humble. And the same is true of Rabbeinu HaKadosh, who is Rabbi Yehudah the author of the Mishnah, the one who compiled the Mishnah. 
Sorry, the one who compiled all the Mishnah together. So we see this Inyan with great and awesome tzaddikin that um, they're able to attain wealth because actually they're able to attain Torah and wealth for they stand in no direction. They're in the middle. They're both. Final Torah for today, which is the longer Torah, Torah Kufsana Gimel, 163. Speech is ready, set up, and it's ready to be articulated. They know it's a derech but it did not emerge via the mouth. Ki'im derech ha'orev. Actually, it emerges via the throat sometimes, the the neck. Umamash afshar lishmoa kama pa'amim, and sometimes it's possible to literally hear this um, on multiple occasions. She'adibu ha'orev, it's a derech ha'orev, rak derech ha'orev. That actually speech isn't emerging via the the mouth, but the throat. Ki'yesh shalosh klipot. Nara Benu is going to explain this in there are three husks, three evil forces. And these three husks constantly want to capture this speech for themselves. Specifically the speech of a holy and great man. Because by these holy and great people, speech is beautiful and pleasant and very important. And these husks want to grab and capture them. All the more so when speech is all so genuinely beautiful. Because the Egyptians, who were all black, black in color, even if Sarah was not as beautiful as she really was, she also would have been extremely important in their eyes. Even if she wasn't as um, beautiful as she was. They would still consider her very, very beautiful. We're going to see how, what this really means. Dibur is the aspect of Sarah. Sarah meaning rulership. To each and every person according to his level. So speech is an aspect of rulership. And to each and every person according to how much speech he has, how beautiful his speech, that's how beautiful his rulership is. There's a person who is in the aspect of Sarah Le'umati, as it's brought down in Barachot, in Gemara Barachot, Dafyut Ginen, Sarah Le'umati, national Sarah rulership, that he's ruling with his speech over a city or a country, but there's an aspect of Sarah rulership over the entire world. There's an aspect of rulership over just a person's household. So we see there's different levels of rulership, depending on a person's speech. But to the evil forces, which represents Egypt, who are entirely black and low, all speech is important to them and they want to grab whatever they can. Whether it's a person's speech who just has power over his house or whether the speech is in the, over the entire world. Because now Rabbanu is explaining what these three husks are and why Rabbanu brings the example of Egypt. Because the three husks represent the, the three, the three officers of Paro. Sarah Ophim, the chief baker of Paro. Sarah Mashkim, the chief butler of Paro. Sarah Tabachim, the chief butcher of Paro. Shemet Taavot Achilah which represent the desires and the lust for eating and for drinking. Ufaro and Paro, who Otiota Orif and Paro. If you play around with the word, as we know according to the Ariya Kadosh, that Paro has the same letters of Haorif, which is the neck. The nape of the neck, which stands 
on the back side of holiness. The neck is always on the back of Ktusha. So the second, these three officers of Paro, which represent uh, the three um the three husks that we mentioned above, the, the ta'avot of eating and drinking, when they see Sarah, when the Egyptians see Sarah, which represents speech, as we said, because speech comes from, uh, that rulership is speech, and Sarah which means rulership. So when they see Sarah, which is speech, then it's beautiful in their eyes. And they grab her, speech for Paro, to bring it down to the exile. They, um, and the officers of Paro saw her and they praised her before Paro. Because these three officers represent which three parts of the neck? The windpipe, the food pipe, and the veins. And they trap speech for the nape of the neck. So even, or sorry, so behold when speech is holy speech, whenever it's specifically holy speech, which represents Sarah, Imenu, for Sarah is very holy, and Sarah represents holy speech, Meaning that Sarah had the Shekhinah, the divine presence with her. Meaning when speech is holy, it has a divine presence within the speech. Even though Avram was very much pained by the fact that Sarah was taken to the house of Paro, with all of this, he trusted and he knew in Hashem that it would be very good that she was trapped over there. That it's a very good thing. That actually Hashem would derive great pleasure from this. And Avram trusted in God's plan. For this represents because Avram knew that it was referencing this verse in Kohelet, or that he knew that this was the aspect of what is written here in Kohelet. There's a time when one man rules over another man, but it's actually to the ruler's own detriment. So we see that even though Avram knew that Paro thought he would have dominionship over Sarah, that actually Avram knew that Paro, this would be Paro's downfall. Because actually, Sarah, through the fact that she was taken by the, to the house of Paro, was able to retrieve and gather and collect the holy sparks from within the from within that dark place. as is known. Look in Sefer Likutim of the Arizal Parashat Lechlecha. But if it's mundane speech, not holy speech like Sarah, but if it's mundane speech, it's possible that actually the Egyptians will take the speech and it can almost, God forbid, sink over there. If, unless there's a, a, a true tzaddik who's able, with his strength, to bring out those sparks from there. Meaning, if mundane speech is captured by the Egyptians, they can bring that speech easily and make it sink down over there with no hope of being um, retrieved from that darkness, from that exile. But unless the holy tzaddik was able to descend down into there and to retrieve those sparks. And there's a man who's turned entirely into speech. Becoming the topic of people's conversations. 
Literally, a man becomes speech. Why? Because so many people are speaking about him. Like all the women, everyone's speaking about this man. And he's wandering and scattering himself in the mouth of every single person. And he's reaching each and every person who he goes to. Meaning, each and every mouth that he gets to, he's being spoken about. Or sorry, meaning whenever this man is wandering and scattering, meaning that he's being the topic of conversation to each and every person, depending on who the person is, he has suffering and unnatural troubles um, from each and every person, depending on who that person is, who's speaking about him. Because each and every person has an aspect of paro according to his level. And when he, this person who is the topic of conversation, reaches the mouth of a great person, there, in this great person, Paro is a king, and Mitzrayim is the land. And there are three officers, and even though speech falls to them, it's very, very painful for this person who is the topic of conversation and yet with all of this he has rest with all of this there's a, he has peace of mind that it's possible for within those, that darkness of Mitzrayim and Paro and the three officers he's able to find holy sparks and there would actually be good that would be turned from this um, downfall meaning whenever this man who is the topic of conversation reaches the mouth of a great person we see that from the great person who represents Paro, literally, and that within this person there's Mitzrayim and the three officers, that if this man with the topic of conversation is landing on this great person, then he can actually retrieve great sparks from this uh, person. But, ah, when he comes to the mouth of base people, lowly people, and over there in these lowly people, the Kripot within that person, the Paro within that person, who's not at the same degree as the, as the, the paro present within a very great person. So if the, this person who's being the topic of conversation reaches a lowly person, the speech is grabbed and is trapped by the neck. And he falls over there. And there, as we reference in the verse, as the Chachamim say in Yirmiyah, chapter 2, verse 6, that what? That over there it's a desolate wilderness. Tiyava Areva, it's dry and it's drought ridden. It's there's drought over there. Lo avar ba'ish, through which no man passed. Meaning what? Enlo imilivgoa. Meaning there's no one he can meet over there. Tzar umar me'od. It's very bitter and very painful over there. Why? Because there's no person who's over there to retrieve the sparks. Hanefesh olechen naav mitpazeret. The soul goes. And it's wandering back and forth from it's scattered. It's a scattering of the soul into mouths of numerous people. And he's tired and um, drought ridden and thirsty within the desert. And this person's soul has no food to restore its soul. Um, which is thirsty and it's hungry.
literally eats itself up. Bifrinat, that it says in the verse in Yeshayah, Every man eats the flesh of his own arm. This inyan that we're talking about in Yeshayah is present here. Whenever this man who is a topic of conversation reaches the mouth of a person who is very, very lowly. And this is like the man who's overcome by a great coldness, coolness, and he has no covering to warm himself up and to wrap himself in. And he curls up and he contracts himself. Just like this is the soul. It has no covering to wrap itself over. And this is the aspect of what is brought in the verse in Tehillim. Their soul was enwrapped within them. Meaning what? It wrapped, the soul wraps into itself. And it becomes so faint. That even if we were to give this soul some sort of food, some sort of nourishment, it cannot even receive this food. Just like a sick person who's been placed in his sick state for a long time. Until he's literally so weak that he's not even able to accept food. When we give it to him, he pushes it away and cannot even receive it. Umana says, so what do we do in a case like this? And we ourselves have caused us. We have caused it to ourselves that we haven't heard good advice that Hashem has given us. We haven't listened to the good advice that God has given us. Because they have turned their back to me. And not their face. Have we seen Yamiya chapter 2 verse 27 over there that we turn our back to Hashem. And then this person's imprisoned in the house of prison. Because he's imprisoned and bound up over there. Sometimes we raise this person up and ascend him up to the heavens. And afterwards we throw him down to the ground. Because the ascension was not a progression. The ascent was not a progression. Only via an incidental casting upwards, like a surreptitious, whenever you cast something upwards surreptitiously, therefore it's thrown back down because it wasn't even possible to ascend up. It wasn't able to progress upwards. It was like as if it was an accident to ascend up. As it's written in Tehillim, they ascend up to heaven, they descend down to the depths. Because they can't remain up there. May Hashem send us a healing of the soul. Because we have trusted in God that everything will be good. And our end, God will make good. Amen. All of this I heard from Rabbeinu's Holy Mouth. But afterwards, it's leak bichtav. When Rabenu saw these words that I had written, Amar, he said, "Shedvarim ele lo ketavtim yafekaroi." Rabenu said to Rabbi Nathan that the words that he had written, he didn't write them properly or beautifully enough. Amar and he said, "Shekol dvarim ele mekusharim lemamar Rabenu delamacha." Rabenu told Rabbi Nathan that all the words that he said were tied up to the saying of the sages in Brachot Nun Dalen Amal Bet. Our baat zchichim laadot that four are obliged to give thanks. To give gratitude to Shem, that it's brought in um, 
Mizmor 107 of Tehillim. What is apparent and understood from Rabbeinu's words, that all the four uh, types of people that are obliged to give thanks, that were the four types of people that are obliged to give thanks. It's the one who walks in the desert, who traveled through the desert, one who was imprisoned, um, placed in prison, the person who got out of a sickness, and the person who got out of the sea, who um, who made it to land after traveling on the sea. All of these four types of people are hinting about the different types of suffering to the soul. As is brought up above with regard to the troubles of the soul, which goes and wanders, drought and with drought and fatigue and hunger and hunger and thirst in the desert. And this is what it says: they were misled in the desert. We also speak about the idea of a sick soul. That so faint that even if we give a food, etc., etc., as we said above, that it wouldn't be able to accept it. And this is what it says in the verse in Tehillim: All food their souls hated, their souls abhorred. That this is speaking about a sick person. And it also speaks over there in this Teinim 107 about the imprisoned person within the prison. About the idea that they ascend up to heaven and they descend down to the depths. That this represents those, people, those seafarers, those people who, who um, travel by sea. And Rabbeinu's holy intention is explained. That he's hinting to all these four types of people that need to give praise to Hashem and thanks. About these different types of troubles to the soul that a person incurs, or sorry, that a person has to suffer when he's serving God. For a soul that has lots of great strife upon it, lots of arguments upon it. And many different people ascend up and try to overpower this soul. And it's suffering. Uh, and it endures lots of suffering. And wanderings. Many great wanderings. And strange troubles. And Hashem saves this soul every single time from its troubles. And upon this, we are obligated to give thanks constantly. Over the fact that Hashem saves us from all the troubles. And Hashem, may Hashem give us the merit to understand Rabbeinu's holy intention. And look over there with regard to this idea in Torah, Torah 62 of the Kutim Oran. Rabbeinu speaks about this more. May we apply what is written here in all the lessons that we study today especially to bring out those sparks of speech, those sparks, holy sparks from within the Galut, through holy speech, and that may we constantly have gratitude to Hashem over the, the salvations that he, sent, that he gives us from all the troubles that we, um, that we suffer with.